0: Let's pray together. We love you, Father God. We love you. And I ask right now that you would come, Holy Spirit, that you would keep on speaking to us. And Lord, that above all, would you help us fall more in love with Jesus as we spend this time together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, my friends. Oh, it is a uh, beautiful and emotional thing for me to be here. It's been a little while. For anyone who doesn't know me, Malcolm introduced me earlier. I think when he made me stand up after saying that about the Queen, I nearly did this. And then I thought that might be a little bit disrespectful. But if you don't know me, my name's Sam. And like Malcolm said, I was here from a, a, a young, fresh faced curate coming straight out of Vicar College, thinking I knew a few things, and then learning a lot <laughs> in this place and from this beautiful and wonderful man. And um, this, this, you, have been our family. Our family for seven years while we were here. And then it's never stopped, as far as I'm concerned. You can feel free to tell me otherwise on the door. But um, as far as I'm concerned, it's never stopped. But there came a moment where we, I guess we had to fly the nest and we got called out. We got called to plant a church down at Barking Riverside, which is just 25 minutes straight down until you hit the river where they're building a new town. So the town's going to be about 29,000 people. It's probably, I don't know, maybe 5,000 at the moment. And, um, and we got called to go and start a church there. Uh, so we've been doing that. A few people have been asking me, and I, I have to admit, Mike, oh, I really wanted Anna and the kids to be here, but we, we made a decision I'm slightly regretting now in, uh, in not coming this time, because we've, we've got our celebration at 4 o'clock. And uh, to be honest... I love my kiss to bits, but they'll be a nightmare if they're knackers by the time we get there. So we thought <laughs> we'll let them have it easy for the morning. And, um, but anyway, we, uh, yeah, we've, we've started down there. I'm going to have to leave fairly quickly. So here's an update on what's happening at Barker Riverside. And then I'm going to share a word that's really on my heart for you guys. But um, we went with a heart actually not to start a church, which I think worried a few people in authority over us. Not to start a church, but to see a community shaped with Jesus right at the heart. We're not starting a club. Church is not a club. Amen. Church is who we are. We're a people on a mission. And we're on a mission to see Jesus at the heart of that town. And it's a funny old thing when you start in a new development because, I mean, loads of it is building site. It's being shaped. So you get to shape it. And then we've spent about a year praying and feeling like God was saying the heart is to see Jesus at the heart of this community. And then we were walking along. So many of you will know hiker, probably from... Days that she was here. We're walking along with Heike, this amazing lady. She suddenly pointed out, have you actually seen the map that's on all the hoarding of like the master plan of how it's going to be? The main roads through it are in the shape of a cross. built. They're building it with a cross in the middle. Come on, that encouraged me. But we've got, the, the heart is to be shaped around what we call hubs, so you call life groups, our small discipleship groups that celebration. So we've got probably like two or three sort of solid hubs that are going. We gather fortnightly and celebrate. A few weeks ago, had our first one of those. We're really involved in the local school, starting to set up a prayer room there and rhythms of prayer within the school. And um, a big part of our heart has been going into where things are already happening in the community. So um, Anna's co-chair of something called the Thames Wall Community Project, which is organising residents. And doing a load of things like English speaking classes, um, like listening stuff for people, especially post-COVID. All kinds of things, developing green spaces and blue spaces, loads of stuff. So you could tell you about it if she was here. But, um, and, uh, and then we've got, we've got like small communities that are starting within things, like within football training. There's a number of parents. Our curate, Abain goes down, shares tea and coffee and ends up praying with all these parents, especially Portuguese speaking. And we've got um, a similar happening on his street as well in his house. And one of the exciting things would be something like a uh, little story, a little flavor of it would be pandemic, weird time to plant a church, not particularly helpful. We. Uh, started a hub had to move it online all the people changed and then we could start meeting again started meeting again no one came and so after a couple of weeks of no one coming a bane was like all these kids have started playing outside our house why don't we just go down there put a table outside so we did that put a table outside shared some sandwiches took a guitar down ended up teaching these kids how to play worship music one of their mums came out who's an r&b singer and started. So we were trying to play, work out how to play Killing Me Softly. Not very well. <laughs> Killing me A minor with a D minor. And then we were trying to play that anyway. kind of fast forward a little bit. There's a community of people meeting in his home fortnightly. There's a group of young people from the street. And one of those young people has come and started playing electric guitar in our, our celebrations. And there's discipleship happening. And that's the heart of it. That's the heart of it. And part of the message that I'm going to share with you. Now, it's because um, this afternoon, we're kind of starting a bit of a journey together where we are looking afresh at the vision and values and things that God's been given us, what he's called us to do and who he's called us to be uh, down at Barking Riverside. Uh, for the camera, I can't stand still for more than about two minutes, which you might have noticed. Um, and so, so what I'm going to share this afternoon is kind of the first of our vision, really, And actually, when I was praying for you guys, very convenient, thank you, Lord, I felt like the same word is applicable here, and then it's just been shared. I love how busy it is at the front during worship with people sharing words. It's amazing. But I want to ask you this. When we talk about vision, we're talking about why we're here. So let me ask you this question. Why are you here? Why are you here? Seriously, why, why are you here today, sitting on these beautiful red chairs? Did you come today? I don't know. I mean, there's plenty of other things we could do on a Sunday morning, aren't there? It's loads of stuff. Why are you here? Have you come because you've got friends here? I hope so. Have you come because it's welcoming? Should be. Have you come for the gentle Scottish lilt that comes (laughs) at the front and you just have to hear it at least once a week? Why have you come? It's really, really important to know the answer to that question. So I know here, what's your vision? To see every person and every place saturated with God. How good is that? Is that why you're here today? We talk about, now I'm true, I agree with Jed Bartlett from the West Wing. If you use one word when you could use 10, you are not trying hard enough. And so our vision was a bit long and we're shrinking it down. But it started as we we exist to see communities thriving. That's our vision. We want to see Jesus at the heart, dot, dot, dot. Jesus at the heart of my life, of my family, my relationships, of business, of education. We want to see Jesus at the heart of our community. We want to see Jesus at the heart. That's why we're here. But let me ask you this question, okay? Why Jesus? If you agree that seeing Jesus at the heart is a good thing, why? <laughs> why do you, why, why Jesus? What's the point? In some ways, it's a funny question, isn't it? Because it's it's Jesus. I wouldn't be in church if I didn't think Jesus was a pretty good thing. We don't even have to think about it. But the problem is sometimes when something goes without saying, it means it goes without thinking. And before you know it, if you stop thinking about what you're saying, you don't really understand what you're saying anymore. Does that make sense? So we have to stop and say, why Jesus? Jesus, just so you know, Jesus is not a catch-all phrase for anything that we feel like we need or that we feel is good at the moment. Jesus does not mean good. It doesn't mean kindness. It doesn't mean friendship. We don't exist. I'm not at Barking Riverside. I didn't leave this beautiful place. Do you know... It nearly broke my heart leaving here. I thought I was here for 20 years, but God called me out. Why? To see Jesus at the heart, but not to see kindness at the heart, actually. Our vision isn't about seeing goodness or happiness or wholeness at the heart. Those things aren't bad, okay? I hope that you are friendly people. I hope this becomes a good uh, is a good, friendly, happy place to be. But that is not why we are here. And that is not what Jesus means. Jesus is a name. It names a person. One person. One person who lived 2,000 years ago and still lives today. Jesus is why we're here. And we have to remind ourselves. Otherwise church becomes... A church becomes a little bit like a waiting room at the doctor's surgery. If you imagine, if it's not too scary a thought for some people, I won't say dentist. Imagine that Jesus is a doctor, okay? (laughs) The greatest doctor in the world who can heal everything. Because he really can. If we're not careful, the church becomes like a waiting room. We think that we're here to create the waiting room because we want everyone to come and see the doctor. We want everyone to come to Jesus. But if we're not careful, we make that waiting room so flipping comfortable, so good, so nice, so loving, so welcoming. That we forget there's any need to go to the doctor at all. You know, sometimes we get, you know that amazing phrase, God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you just the way you are. Sometimes church gets stuck on the first half. Come on in, come on in, come on in with your broken leg. Let's move the furniture around. We'll pay the cost. We'll sacrifice things that we like to make it a better place for you. Incredible heart for a church. Come on in, sit down, put your leg right. Come on in with your brokenness. Come in just like you are. Yes, that's what church should be. But if we make it too comfortable, if we make the whole point that you can be in here with your brokenness, your anxiety, your fear, your mess your shame and your guilt and be so comfortable that you never need anything else. We withhold from people the very thing that we exist to lead them to, the very person that they need the most. And the crazy thing is, it is so dumb all of the time and everyone is comfortable, burns people out. <laughs> and also, frankly, it's pretty boring. Being too comfortable is boring, even if it feels nice. And it's not what we need. So let me ask you again, why are we here? We're here for Jesus. It's interesting in the worship because while we're praying, just those words that were coming were exactly the things that were going through my mind. I was feeling like, oh God, I feel like you're wanting to say to people, just fix your eyes on Jesus. And then, and then in the midst of all that like spiritual, good, discerning stuff, I had, if anyone remembers this, and this will like probably break my reputation, but anyone remember the S Club 7 song? Don't stop moving, can you hear the music? Do you know that song? <laughs> Do you not get it? You must remember it with the dance. I found a bit of that. It's a bit of don't. St. Mary's Church, don't, don't stop moving. Don't stop moving. Fix your eyes on him and follow him. And the danger is, we have been through a lot. And it's not, it's not over, is it? <laughs> it's not been easy. There's a lot that we need. And I 100% am behind what Malcolm's been sharing of the importance of friendship. The importance of being there for each other. But I want to say, don't stop moving. Don't stop following him. We're here for Jesus. Let me get back to this second. So if we're here for Jesus, let's just look at Jesus a moment. So Jesus names a person. One person who was born 2,000 years ago in a backwater town in an occupied nation in the Middle East. But in names a person who is more than a person. <laughs> it names a man who is also God. And that's what comes out of this passage if you look at it. So Matthew 4. Talks about Jesus, this person who comes to Nazareth, and then we have this quote. He goes, to, he goes to Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And do you remember this one from Christmas? For to them, to us, to them, a child is born. And he will be called Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So it reminds us, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we remember that he is a person. First of all, that means we don't get to make up who he is. He is not whatever I feel like I need in the morning. He is not who I assume he is. Some of you people, I love that there are new people here that weren't here when I left three years ago. Fantastic. I'd be really worried if they weren't. (laughs) But you've seen a little bit of me today. But you don't get to go home and make up who I am. If you wanted to know me, you've got to get to know me. I've got to get to know you. Because I just am who I am. It's a bit of a dangerous thing to say in church, isn't it? (laughs) It's worse than doing this. (laughs) You don't get to make me up, you can get to know me. We don't get to make up who Jesus is, we get to know him. And what we discover as we get to know him is that he is more than anyone else you have ever known. Telling a promise that was made hundreds of years before this event, which is 2,000 years. It reminds us that he is part of a bigger story and we're in this bigger story. And if you remember any of the times that I've preached here, I always end up talking about the big story of the Bible because it changes everything. The big story of the Bible begins in Genesis, right at the beginning. And it tells us this. God, God exists in love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And out of the overflow of his love, his love is so abundant, so generous, so incredible, that he gives himself away. And out of the overflow of his love, he creates all of this around us. He creates all of creation as a place where he can put people to love and fill with his presence. That is the picture of the Garden of Eden, this beautiful place full of the presence of God with Adam and Eve walking, seeing him face to face, described as walking with him in the call cool of the day. That is what we are made for, that relationship with God. But if you remember, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What was that? That was them instead of simply walking in love with God, wanting to be equal with God. That's them wanting to decide what is good, what is bad, why am I here? To be able to decide for themselves what they should do rather than simply loving God and walking with Him. Any of you who have got kids or grandkids or kids that you're close to, you know there's something beautiful about that just innocent love of a small child. When my little three-year-old makes me a card... That's just covered in scribbles. I haven't got a clue what they are, but she tells me and they're quite detailed but she's just made it out of love. It's just love. She doesn't care if it's good art or bad art, if the grammar is right, if the punctuation is right. she's just loving in that innocence of love. That is what we're created to live in with God. But eating from the the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's when we get into, how do I do it right? How do I do it right? What is right? What is wrong? What should God be doing right now? What shouldn't he be doing right now? Is he fitting in my framework of what is just and what is good and what is loving, what is right, what is kind? And if we're not careful, we end up in striving to try and achieve these different things. We end up at a distance from God. That's the brokenness that starts to come in. Does that make sense? The whole story of the Bible is how God will not let our rejection of him have the last word. His love is so overwhelming, so incredible that he will fill with his presence again. And he does it in loads of different ways. And every time we mess it up, (laughs) he'll send the one. It will not only create a space and a place and a people for him, but will transform those people from the inside out. Take hearts of stone and make them flesh. Who will change who we are once and for all to live in relationship with him again. And that person is Jesus. It's Jesus who comes. And when you read the gospels, when you see the life of Jesus, when you listen to the words that he teaches and see what he does. You get to see what it is like when God is close and you're in relationship with him. And even in this passage, so he says, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if we had read on, we would have read how he's starting from verse 23. He goes through Galilee teaching and preaching, showing the kingdom. And it says that he heals every disease and every affliction among the people. So they brought to him everyone who was afflicted. And he heals them. You get to see the heart of God is to bring healing. The heart of God is to make us whole. And when the kingdom comes close and we're near him, that's what happens. And the next chapter from here is the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus begins to teach what Father God is like, a whole new way of living. And the whole of the gospel of Matthew, the whole of each gospel is written like a training manual to help us to learn who this Jesus is, what it's like to follow him and live with him. But right here it summarizes what Jesus said in this one line, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus came, the kingdom came with him. And the kingdom names this place where we can live in right relationship with God again. Which Jesus teaches, shows, demonstrates, and then opens the door for us to come in when he dies on the cross. Taking all of our mess, all of our brokenness, all of our shame on himself. And then God's love overwhelms that brokenness of death, brings him to life again. And the door is open for anyone who will repent, turn around and say, Jesus is Lord. he come into that kingdom and share his life, share his love with the Father. Does that make sense? Now that is who Jesus is. And following him is why we're here. If Jesus is a name of a person we have to get to know, It tells us something by the fact that you can summarize his teaching, his reason for being here, with this idea of repent for the kingdom of heaven has come. Repent means to change your mind and turn around. Now that should wake us up. It should wake us up to realize that maybe the way that we're going, what we think is right, what we're chasing after, isn't all there is. (laughs) And it should wake us up to realize, hold on, this getting to know Jesus, this walking with Jesus, this Jesus at the heart might not be something that happens like that in a moment. It's something where we turn around and then we shape our lives around fixing our eyes on him, walking with him and being shaped by him every single moment. So the very next thing that he does is to go and call these disciples, Simon and his brother Andrew, James and John. And he steps into me, and I will make you fishes of men. This Jesus, who we're here for, didn't come proclaiming a gospel of, I have come to give you everything you ever wanted. He didn't come saying, I have come. To make everything easy, comfortable, and good. He didn't say, I have come to take away all your trouble. He said, repent. Turn around. Look at me. Fix your eyes on me. And now follow me. Because in me, the kingdom of heaven has come. And as you follow me, I will make you. I will change you to become fishes of men, to become people who live in my kingdom and share that kingdom with others, to become people who do the things that I do because you experience the love that I have with the Father. Let me ask you a question. Is that why you're here this morning? Does that make sense? Yeah? I would say I am here not to get something. I'm not here. I love you. (laughs) But I'm not here because I love you, actually. I'm not here because I've got friends here. I'm not here because I love this place. I'm not here because it feels like home. I'm here because I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary and the Holy Spirit, That he suffered and died under Pontius Pilate and three days later he rose again from the dead. And that Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead. Do you recognize what I've slightly misquoted? The creed. What we believe. How often do we say the creed? Do you say the creed in this service anymore? We used to. We say it. Come on the 845, you get to say the creed every week. (laughs) We come because of what we believe about who Jesus is. We come because we know that we need to be changed by him. And we come not because we think that we've got it all together. We don't come because he's going to give us everything that we've ever wanted. We don't come because we have to do a load of stuff for him. We come simply because it's Jesus and we love him and we want to know him more. And we come because we know that getting to know him is a lifelong journey of transformation. And we come because we know it's a journey we can't do on our own. So back at Riverside, we talk about our vision is to see Jesus at the heart of every person in every place. How do we do that? By creating space for Jesus in our daily lives together for others. How? Through habits, hubs and hands. Habits. Simple things we do to shape our lives so that we are fixing our eyes on him. Do you know what? There's an amazing guy called Dallas Willard. He described discipleship as training. What are you being trained in? We are being trained in how to have our minds enamored with Jesus every second of every day. To have it so that from the moment you wake up in the morning until the moment you fall asleep at night, your mind is just fixed on Jesus. You just see him everywhere. But even when you're sleeping, your dreams become about him. You're just fixed on him. And we're getting trained in how to break all that rubbish <laughs> that distracts us all the time. The rubbish that got in my way this morning when I went from spending half an hour praying and just trying to finalize what I'm going to say today. To about 20 minutes later, shouting at the kids. Because why are you arguing about who's having the first pancake? How does that reaction happen? There's this life, lives around him. It comes, we talk about hubs because we have to do it together. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have Christian brothers and sisters that you actually do your life with? I'm not talking about people that smile at you when you come in here on a Sunday. All right, because anyone will do that to your face. <laughs> no, the smiles here are genuine. I'm talking about, do you have people that you are living your life with? That you can share and be open and honest with? That you spend time with in the week? People who know your kids' names. People who know what you struggled with. People who know what you look at on your phone and the internet when you shouldn't. Because you've been able to be honest with someone and they can speak out forgiveness over you and they can also say, stop it. Are there people who know you well enough to challenge you and say, something seems a bit off. Are you all right right now? Who when you start drifting will be able to notice. Are there people who notice whether your mind is fixed on Jesus or not? That's what life groups are for. It doesn't have to be in a life group. Just find some people you walk with. And then let me ask you this. We talk about hands. And we talk about hands because each of our fingers, we write the name of someone that we spend our time with. Someone that we, we see maybe at work, maybe on our street, because we know these are people. God calls us to be fishes of men, Right? But the vision of God, I've never heard God describe his heart as I want to see 500 people in church on Sunday. When Jesus talks about his heart for lost people, each and every person has a name. He knows each person by name. He died for them by name. He pursues them by name. And he sends us out for people who have names. So who are the names of the people? Who are you going to see tomorrow? Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's at work. Maybe you'll only see their torso because it's all on Zoom. Who are the people that you long for? People that you care about because their lives are broken and they desperately need Jesus. Those are the people we write on our fingers. And our palms are the place that we find ourselves. Where has God put you? It's funny, isn't it? He goes to these disciples who are casting they're, they're at work and <laughs> throwing their nets into the sea. And he tells them to follow him, but he doesn't tell them to do them something totally different. It's kind of you can almost imagine him saying, like, you don't need those nets, but you do need some. <laughs> he goes into their world and he changes it to become part of his. And I was reminded in worship of a picture that came to me. In my first year here, I remember sitting, we lived in a house on the drive, and I remember sitting in the garden praying for this place. And I had a picture, and what I saw was this building from the top down, like a bird's eye view. And one person came up and now at the front began to pray, and then others began to come and pray at the front. And then what happened was as people came and prayed, these banners came out, the walls fell down, and there were what looked like waves coming in and out, in and out. And suddenly in the picture saw these waves were people coming in and out, in and out. It reminded me, it's incredible the things that happen here. It's amazing hearing from Paula the stuff that's going on here in the week. That's so encouraging. But you know that it doesn't matter if you can't come here in the week. I believe there is a call on this church family to be waves of people who come in and fix our eyes on Jesus, see Jesus and flow out to workplaces and streets and homes and schools and colleges and wherever it is and bring Jesus to those places. Where do you go in the week? That's what you write on your palm. And that reminds us that it starts with prayer. These people, these places full of Jesus comes with prayer. Do you pray for the people around? Do you pray for the place that you go? And then it happens in love as we actually get stuck into those places. Be the best at your job that you can be with Jesus at the heart and love and share and be ready to see what He's doing in that place, because you are training yourself through habits together with others in how to have your mind constantly fixed on him. So that you see, oh my goodness, he's doing this today. He's doing that today. I didn't think he could he showed up in my work meeting. What the heck is that about Jesus? Because I don't know if you noticed, but the place that Jesus came is at the worst time. His cousin John has just been arrested. It's in the midst of persecution. And then where does he go? He goes and got conquered by the enemy <laughs> when the Assyrians invaded the promised land. It's the first part of the promised land that broke. That's where he goes. The land of the Gentiles. Who are they? The non-Jews. Not God's people. That's where he goes. The worst time. The least likely people. I feel like I can describe me a lot of the time. Describes a lot of the people around me. So my friends... We're all broken. We've all got mess. We've all got needs. It's true. Some of those will get healed this time of heaven, this side of heaven. Not all of them. All of them will get healed. They'll be seen face to face. Hallelujah. I'm excited about that day. Don't stop moving because you're waiting. To get healed up. Don't stop moving. Because you're so busy making it so comfortable. Because of such a good heart. To be loving and good and kind and welcoming. I love that. But while we're here. He is wonderful counselor. Everlasting father. Prince of peace the way, the truth, and the life, the Alpha and the Omega, the Savior of all, and the Lord who gave everything to have all of us. And he will not take second best. So are we willing today to give our all to him, to fix our eyes on him? My friends, any of you around when I was here, regularly. be very used to the fact I'm not good at timekeeping. But what I'd love us to do is just to pause. I'd love us just to close our eyes for a minute and turn our attention to God. And just in your heart, I just want to invite you to be honest with God for a moment and honest with yourself. Have our eyes been on anything other than, more than, before Jesus? Has there been anything that we've been waiting for? I'll, I'll follow you in. we had any lines in the sand with him? This far and no further. Or do we just not know him that well yet? just recognize those things and this morning there's an opportunity to make a decision it's between you and him to say Jesus I'm not all fixed up it's not all sorted it's not all easy maybe I don't know you that well yet but I want to make a choice today to repent to turn around fix my eyes on you And say, I want you to be everything to me. If you want to make that decision this morning, for the first time, for the millionth time. If you're able to, I want to invite you to stand. If you're not able to stand, you could just put your hands out in front of you. But right now, if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus. It's not about show. It's not about what others see. Don't worry about other people, but it's about Him, you and Him. And then I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are the Savior. I believe you are the King of kings. And I choose to follow you. And this morning, Jesus, I invite you to have all of me. And I ask you to lead me in the way you want me to go. So that you, Jesus, are at the heart of my life. As you pray that prayer, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come? Fall in this place. And I thank you that you don't leave us as orphans, but you fill us with the spirit that makes us sons and daughters of the King of Kings. You give us everything we need to walk with you. And you come and make your home in us. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, come and make your home in my brothers and sisters here. And I pray that this would be one more kind of day one (laughs) of walking with you, of hearing your voice. And I pray that you would speak. If there's habits we need to change or take up, speak it. If we need to connect with other people, show us. If there's people you've called us to, places you've put us, change our perspective so we want to see Jesus at the heart and you are everything to us. Holy Spirit, fill us, lead us, and use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, my friends, feel free to take a seat.